All right, everybody. Hello. Thank you for listening to Through the Garden, if you are listening to this. It is at least Leap Day, February 29th, 2024. And gentlemen, I have, of course, Alex and Jordan here with me. Boys, uh, I know where we have to start. Cody Bellinger is back in Chicago. Thank God. Well, he's in Arizona, but he is a Chicago Cub for at least another year, and we have to be excited about it. So how are we feeling, boys? Relieved. I mean, relieved more than anything. We've been waiting for the news on Bellinger for a while, and I think it's fair to say that a lot of us thought that it was going to happen. It was just a matter of how and when. And that does bring up, really quickly, the poll I ran on Twitter, which you guys saw today. I figured, hey, should we start looking at those results? Because we got quite a few votes on that. Yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, absolutely. Run them out. All right. So this morning, I asked a very simple question. The Bellinger signing was announced late Saturday, early Sunday, then became official yesterday, a.k.a. Tuesday. So I asked the question to Cubs fans on Twitter. I said, how confident were you in Bellinger returning to Chicago? And there were four options. They're somewhat, not really, not at all. So as I'm reading this right now, the poll is still technically up. It's going to be up for another 15 hours. But as of right now, it's got 189 votes. And 34% said very. The majority, 54%, said somewhat. 8% said not really. 4% said not at all. So more than half said somewhat. And then another 34% said very. So a vast majority, massive, massive majority at least had a feeling that Bellinger had a chance to come back, and now here he is. And I feel like fans were mostly feeling confident because of the state of the market. You saw other teams that were maybe interested in Bellinger early on. They made other moves. The New York Yankees, they went on, pounced on uh, Juan Soto very, very quickly. And I thought the Yankees going into the offseason was going to be a very likely landing spot for Cody Bellinger. But they moved quickly on Soto. The Giants made several moves. The Blue Jays that were rumored made other moves and made it clear they weren't going to be spending big money despite the Otani rumors. So with everything kind of coming down, it's like, well, the market is basically the Cubs right now. So it's just a matter who's going to blink first and how Boris and Jed Hoyer are going to negotiate. So here we are. Yeah, yeah. The longer it went on, the more confident I was that Bellinger was coming back. If I were to answer the poll, I told you I wasn't going to answer the poll because I was going to reveal it on the show here. Ooh. I was very confident. After the Yankees, I thought the Yankees were our biggest threat. After they signed Juan Soto, I thought it was do- I thought it was done. Now it's just a waiting game. I even said on another show that I went on that I would jump in the lake if he didn't sign. So I don't have to do that, which I'm yeah, very happy for because uh, I know it was 70 degrees, but now it's 20. So of course. Uh, but I'm very excited Cody's back. It's it's a great... It changed the whole outlook of the team also. It went from feeling like, can we even get to 80 wins? And now I, I think it's reasonable to be talking in the in the high 80s, low 90s situation for this Cubs team, especially how much they're talking up the young team or the young guys. We've seen a lot of the young guys shining so far in spring training. I know we're only five games in, but We've had some great showings from these young guys that are making people raise their eyebrows a little bit at this team. So I'm excited Cody's back. I knew he was going to be back. It just it just feels like good vibes on the north side of Chicago right now. Yeah, I mean, I 
echo everything you said. Lisa was right. That was funny. Watching that whole yeah. unfold on Twitter over the weekend. But uh, yeah, I said the nail on the head. Once the Yankees jumped the market for Soto, there was a strong chance that Bellinger's market was going to play its way back to the Cubs. And the Cubs were able to get the deal done this weekend. I think what's like also important to realize is the Cubs were very much ready to move on from Bellinger. So it wasn't a matter of like, he was always their priority. Now it's a matter of, well, the market moved in a way that allowed them to come back to the Cubs. And to your point, Bellinger back, the offseason is more complete. But now we can talk about the minor league signings, the Garrett Coopers, the David Peraltas, Dominic Smiths. Like, can there be one of those three that kind of pop here towards the end of spring training that you feel comfortable in having on your bench? And I think that just rounds out your whole entire roster. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, too, what they decide to do with Pete Crow Armstrong. They've been talking about Michael Bush being the guy for opening day at first base. That was before Cody Bellinger. Even now, after Cody's signing, it seems like they're still on that path, meaning Cody's definitely going to be center field. So Pete Crow Armstrong, I mean, he's going to get his at-bats if he goes down to AAA. And we saw him come up for a minute at the end of last season. We saw what happens when he's not getting his consistent at-bats. He's struggling a little bit. So the better option is probably to start at AAA. And then if an injury or something pops up or if Michael Bush doesn't pan out at first base and Cody's got to go over there, then Pete comes up. But we know we know Pete is on the cusp of being ready. They can't keep him down there for forever. So this is going to be a situation we're just going to have to keep our eye on. But if you're if you're asking me to choose between Pete Crow Armstrong, a developing Pete Crow Armstrong, and a proven Cody Bellinger, I'm going to choose a proven Cody Bellinger to be in the center field. Yeah, I mean, I think right now going this season, it makes the most sense to go that route. And I think Pete Crow Armstrong, he's showing good things so far in spring. And that's fine, but you want him to get, make sure he truly is ready for the bigs because last year, like you say, he didn't get the assistant at-bats and just just didn't look ready when he was up there. And it's okay if he needs a little more time. That's The fact that you have Cody Bellinger now gives him that bit of a buffer zone, and then it gives you a chance to be like, all right, well, if he's going to play center field, then this will be the chance to show for Michael Bush to see what he has. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So... Again, we're only five days in to games being played, so we have a long ways to go before we start saying, oh, this guy isn't going to make it. I'd give it until at least March 8th or March 9th before we before we start axing people. Yeah. But it's just it's good that we're back playing baseball. It's good that Cody's here. I'm, 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 I'm on just the, still the initial excitement of baseball being back, quite honestly. Oh, For yeah, sure. it's always, yeah, it's always fun. And like we were saying, Watching the Cubs games on marquee, it's been extremely exciting. I think we're getting into the topic here, but like a lot of the young prospects are shining. Matt Shaw is looking great. Here's one thing I will say, as we were saying with Pete Crow Armstrong, there's no need to rush anything with Matt Shaw at this point. He's only had 15 games at the AA level. There's no need to automatically think that he has to be at AAA. With the plan of being at Wrigley in May, those Cubs will be fine on the major league roster to open the season. I think he opens yeah. the season in Double A, and then but we are looking at a potential second half call up depending on the need. 
A thousand percent. I am. Matt Shaw is, nobody will replace Chris Bryant for me, but Matt Shaw might be my new Chris Bryant, quite honestly. I, seeing him this spring has just been such a delight. Him, it's the only thing that he, so he worked all off season at third base, which I've been reading about. They have him at second right now. They so want Morel to be the third baseman. Oh, yeah. They're doing everything to make sure that Morel is the third baseman. And I saw a couple errors already over there at third base, a couple questionable decisions from Morel. I would love to see one split squad starts, get get Matt Shaw over there just to see what he can do. I, I agree with you completely, Jordan, that he's going to be starting probably at double A. But come July, August, even earlier than that, if we're not seeing what we need to out of Morel, I think we got to have a quick pull on him to just... If he's swinging the bat well, put him at DH and let Matt Shaw get a chance at this lineup for sure. Yeah, and I mean, if Morrell doesn't work at third base, the fact that DH is an option, it, it gives that buffer where you're like, okay, hey, you can still be part of this lineup. You just might not be playing defensively. And that just yeah. that may end up being the case. We don't know. Because if you do move Morrell right now, assuming Shaw's in the minors, which he will be to start the year, but until the day comes where he gets called up and he's in the minors, well, then your situation as it stands is pretty much you're probably going to be going to Nick Madrigal if you don't have Christopher Morrell playing third. Maybe a little Patrick Wisdom too, but Madrigal's got to be next in line, right? Just because of the defensive factor, you would yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I th- and I think too, after we signed Garrett Cooper, which I love that signing, by the way, I think that Very was interesting great signing. Cubs. You know what it felt? I, I was talking about it on another show, but it felt like when you're playing fantasy baseball or fantasy football or something, and you just see a guy on the free agent market and you just pick him up just so nobody else can have him. Mm-hmm. That's like this Garrett Cooper thing to me because like huge dude, big boy, great bat, makes contact. Like he he will be... Yeah, I know he signed a minor league deal, but he's going to be on the big league roster, I would assume. Oh, yeah. And coming off the bench, being a DH, giving Bush or Bellinger at first base a day off, something like that, that's just a sneaky good signing by the Cubs, quite honestly. And I, I'm going to be honest, I forgot where I was going with that, but I love Garrett Cooper <laughs> signing. <laughs> it, no, I yeah, wasn't well, expecting it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't was, expecting it, was, it. When I came through, my immediate reaction was, oh, well, Patrick Wisdom is going to be the corresponding move for Cody Bellinger. It hasn't happened yet. I still wouldn't be shocked if we get to the end yeah. of spring training and Wisdom is either probably not waived. You could probably get like a lower level prospect for him. Garrett Cooper just does everything Patrick Wisdom is supposed to do better. He doesn't strike out as much. He makes a little bit more contact. Wisdom does have the pow- more power than Cooper, but Cooper is also, like you said, a much better fielder at first base. So I think that might be the difference. Yeah, that and thank you for saying that because that's where I was going with it. Wisdom, Madrigal, maybe even Morel. Like now we're talking maybe a trade market. And you know who's mm-hmm. surprised? I broke down who's, who are your surprises so far this spring. How about Caleb Killian coming out and throwing absolute gas these last fun. couple times? Yeah. And throwing great and throwing yeah. strikes, it's been great to see. He pitched to contact a bit today, so he gave up a couple hits. But man, the movement on his curveball looks good. He's throwing absolute gas. That's awesome to see. I love that. But at the same time, 
him doing well right here is good because he's one of the guys too. I'm thinking maybe he's on the move to go get something else. So Wisdom, Killian, Magical, those are the three guys that I'm looking at to see maybe the Cubs make a move. Even Canario, we might even throw in there. Yeah, I mean, you can only fit so many yeah. people on a roster and you want to build it a certain way. And you wonder this too, now that you have Craig Council, do you want to make moves that more correspond to his style of managing and play? Garrett yeah. Cooper, if he signed with the Brewers last year, my first thought would be like, man, Craig Council's going to get something great out of this guy. And now it's like, oh, well, Craig Council's now our manager, so maybe he'll get something out of this guy for us a, this time. Yeah, this yeah. is such a Craig Council signing. Quite. Oh, a, yeah. It, it's so funny you said that, Alex. I was talking to the other editor at uh, Cubby's Crib. I'm like, honestly, Garrett Cooper was a type of signing that like the Brewers make, and then all of a sudden, he's hitting tanks against the Cubs in August. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. We've seen it so many times, year in, year out. And there's one thing to remember about Cooper, too. He didn't get a lot of press because he was with Miami all these years, but you know, he was an all-star in 2022, not too long ago. He had an OPS of over 800 in 2020 and 2021. No, he's not a big slugger. His career high in home runs is 17. But, I mean, if you're making decent contact out there and you're a well-spread hitter, then you provide some value there. And you mentioned the defense as well. It's probably better than Patrick Wisdom. So I'm, I'm surprised nobody had picked him up before. But maybe it's just one of those moves where our data saw more value than other teams did. And going back to the Craig Council thing, that this just fits his mold. And I mean, the fact that Jed Hoyer said we're in what, like the fifth inning of our offseason back at CubsCon, uh, might not just mean Cody Bellinger, that, that's still actively evaluating what's out there. And it could be a big move like Cody Bellinger. It could also include small ones too. I mean, small moves aren't exactly just moves to make moves. They could end up providing quite valuable. So who's to say there isn't something else out there right now? And for I will sure. always say there there's always room for more pitching on a roster. That's for damn sure. Speaking of which, I, I just saw this right before we started recording tonight. It looked like MLB was looking to change their change the rules about pitchers on an active roster going from 13 to 12, putting more emphasis on the starters. And this is just baseball continuing to get in the way of baseball. I I just want to hear you guys yell about it for a second, quite honestly. Yeah, it makes some sense. I mean, the game was trending in a way that like lessens the impact of starting pitchers. You more have multiple pitchers beyond your starting rotation that can go a couple innings. We've seen a lot of teams experiment with either six-man rotations or even openers. So like you said, I think baseball sometimes just overthinks some things and just forces change when there's no need to. Yeah, yeah. you're tinkering with the marginal little things that doesn't really, it's not necessary. You're not, you're not going to suddenly win more fans by changing one roster spot. What I think would be interesting, and obviously this would be arbitrary, this is just a weird idea I had, so I might as well just share it. What if every team, you have your 26-man roster, but there was like a 27th man that could only come in in certain situations? So like, let's say he's just some journeyman mop-up guy, like almost like the equivalent of like the emergency goaltender in hockey. Like if you <laughs> like you know how that works. You remember when yeah. Scott Foster came so, in for the Blackhawks so they just, years ago? So they basically they basically have 
like a guy on the Chicago Dogs just at a moment's notice ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much, yeah. And like, say, what if there's a circumstance where you're down by like eight plus runs and it's beyond the sixth or seventh inning and you can just say, hey, we just want to use our non-roster guy just to eat some innings here. It's not, yeah, it's it's not, not a bad, bad idea. idea. I mean, especially because we've seen them trying to move away from possession players pitching. So, yeah, no. That's right, a good if idea. they don't like that, yeah, j- just have some guy and either pay a minimum or I, you would probably have to pay a minimum because you would get into the whole collective bargaining agreement in the players' union. So it's easier than just one, two, three here. But And again, this is all just kind of fantasy. But like, if you just, just had a guy, but you know, you had to use this guy in very specific circumstances. So like, you can't yeah. just say, hey, I'm just going to bring in my, quote, non-roster guy in the third inning of a two-run game. It's like, it's got to be past the sixth or seventh inning, and you got to yeah. be down by at least seven runs. I'm not, yeah, I'm it's not kind of like... Yeah, it's like the 10-day contract rule, right? In the NBA, where right. you kind of, you just have a guy that in a stretch of games where you need death and you just want to have minimal impact on your roster. Yeah, I, I think I could be down with that. Jordan, that is a great, great thing to bring up, is that 10-day contract in the NBA. That That's exactly what lies within this. Like, here's a good example. You remember when Alec Mills, the first few years, he was like, oh, you know what? This is a nice depth guy. And then he just fell to just being just a pure innings eater. It, like, if you have, like, Alec Mills just as this non-roster guy, it's like, all right, we're down 10 to 1. It's the eighth inning. All right, eat us two innings. So yeah, we don't have to no, use anyone else on it. our roster. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not a bad idea. Not a bad Big idea. Fan, I yeah. love it. Okay, so there's a ton of stuff for the Cubs to get to. But I want to tease it a little bit because all three of us are writers <laughs> for Cubs blogs. So just know that there's a ton to talk about for the Cubs, and we would like you to read our blogs. So oh, yeah. CubbiesCrib.com, SportsMockery.com. Go there, get all your Cubs news there. And we're going to bring up a lot of it on the show here as the season goes on. So yeah, fun little tease here. There's, there's plenty to talk about. Go read our blogs. Okay. So this is this is a fun topic that's going to transition us from baseball to football that's that's relatively new that's coming up right now. So last show we talked about the drama of the Chicago White Sox wanting a new stadium, wanting to move closer to downtown in the South Loop, and Jerry Reinsdorf wanting it to be publicly funded. And that didn't go so well for him, obviously. But <laughs> now we're tying in the Chicago Bears. And the newest thing that has just come out, I, I couldn't read the article fully because I don't have the subscription, but the newest thing is the mayor of Chicago would like the White Sox and the Bears to come together and create a financial plan for both of them to get new stadiums in the city of Chicago. Complete chaos is happening right now. We know that the Bears have all that land out in Arlington Heights. They've recently gotten back into talks with the mayor about getting a stadium in Chicago. Now the White Sox are in trying to get a stadium in Chicago. Chicago's been out of money since as long as I can remember. So this is all happening really fast. And then Matt Spiegel on 670 to score later this afternoon said that there is a possibility of the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Bears coming to an agreement 
having both a football and a baseball stadium in Arlington Heights. And there's no way in hell. So with that no. being said, Jordan, Alex, what's going to happen here with our boys? I think the end result is the Sox probably do get a new stadium um, in the city. I do think the Bears probably wind up in Arlington Heights. It's like Kevin Warren came in and was like, hey, you guys just rushed the Arlington Heights deal without really exhausting all your efforts to secure the best deal. So now they're walking backwards, which, you know, part of the course for the Bears. But I do think <laughs> it probably winds up with the Bears in Arlington Heights and the Sox remaining in the city, but getting a new stadium. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that could very well be. And Jordan, I think you hit the nail on the head is Sweaty Teddy and the Bears got secured that land and then they brought in Kevin Warren. It's like, okay, you're just bringing me in to try to get this done. Okay, fine. It's going to be harder than it, it, it appears to be. Because they jumped on that Arlington Heights land pretty quickly. They right. jumped on like it overnight, very, very basically. Yeah, yeah, they did. Overnight. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, we knew that regardless of how this timeline goes, this was going to take a while. It's hit more bumps in the road than we all had hoped. And I don't think it's guaranteed they're going to go to Arlington Heights. A year ago, I would have said they'll get it done. They'll get it figured out now. I'm not as sure. But if they get it done, I wouldn't be surprised. But I could also see it falling through, too. Um, and with the White Sox, I, I, I think they'll get a new stadium in the city. I do. Or, or Jerry Reinsdorf departs and his family sells the team before anything is figured out. But oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they want it's everything worth, in line before that. Yeah, yeah. It's also worth noting that the Reinsdorfs and the McCaskies don't like each other. I feel like that's that's a kind of important thing here. So if you're telling them to work together for a financial plan, yeah, okay. The Bears are going to Arlington. <laughs> the Sox are getting their new park in the city. And a lot of it's going to be funded by the public. You're just yeah. going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, which gives us a great transition from baseball into football. And let's talk about the stupid Chicago Bears. Hmm. It's NFL Combine Week. So many things have happened. I'm just going to rattle them off. And then Alex put his head down first. So I'm going to let, I want him to talk first. That's fair. Justin Fields. Justin Fields goes on the St. Brown's Brothers podcast. And one thing, he says he likes LeBron more than MJ. And then the other thing, he just basically says he wants it all to be done. He doesn't care. He just wants it to be done, which I completely understand. Matt Pol or Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles both said words this week. We They never said anything about what they're doing at the quarterback position. Caleb Williams said that he would be okay with going to Chicago. We're probably close to a decision happening sometime this week. There's rumors of Justin Fields going to Atlanta for a second round pick. There's rumors of him still going to Pittsburgh that are dwindling, but they're still there. There could be a surprise team out there. Alex, you're the Bears guy. Jordan, you're the Bears guy. Somebody tell me what's going to happen. Yeah, well, um, I can, go ahead, Jordan. Go ahead. Uh, it's crazy, man. People would have too much time to dissect Instagram and Justin Fields celebrating in his house. They're like, oh, he said he's going home. No, first of all, if you listened to the St. Brown's podcast last week, 
Fjord said he was going on vacation to Europe this week. So if we're trying to make a big deal of an Instagram video that's likely not new, you have too much time on your hands. Honestly, shout out Colin Coward for being wrong. Caleb Williams spoke today and pretty much was the exact opposite of everything Coward said. I will say this, a lot of people are upset that people are making insinuations from polls that it definitely means Fields is being traded. I get why people would be upset. I also get the argument because it's very rare that you have a general manager talk about his quarterback in the sense of, well, we want to make him comfortable if we trade him and then walk it completely back the other way to the point where like, the two are going to be on the same team come July. But so dumb. I just want the end. Like, whatever it is, just yeah. please come. That's why, I, that's why I'm turning it over to you guys because I am so burnt out, guys. Like, so I just, I. I don't want to write about it. I don't want to talk about it. I just, I just want somebody to tell me what's going to happen so I can just close a laptop and be done with it until August. Well, listen, if, if there is a trade, then at least we'll know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll know. I think we'll know what the yeah. answer is, and then we go from there. Yeah, I hope. I hope. We'll, is, yeah, I hope Paul's is at St. Elmo's in Indianapolis tonight, talking to the Falcons GM, and they just iron it up. And it's, it's. I found myself in a weird spot because I was on a Zoom the night of the 2021 draft, and it's crazy to go from the excitement that we had when we drafted Justin Fields to where we are now, more likely than not him being traded. And the fan base is so divided. It's just crazy. So sad. Can't wait for it to happen again in, in, in another four years. Seriously. It's so sad. I will never forget the hope I had that night. Mm. I'll never forget how good I felt. I we scared the pick. crap out of my wife, Anna, because <laughs> I screamed. It was like, we traded, we traded, we did it again, we got this. And then here we are. And now yeah. it's like I dread draft night. I think for the rest <laughs> of my life, I'm going to dread dra- draft night. Oh, yeah. Dread just, draft night. Yeah. yeah. Dread I'll tones. dread it if we don't know what we're doing. If I know what we're doing, okay. Then we're going to trade Justin for a fifth, and then we're going to draft Jaden Daniels, number one overall. And then we're going to trade up from eight to two to get an offensive lineman. <laughs> Good plan. Uh, Great job. Yeah. Love it. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, honestly, whether it's trading the pick and building around Justin or trading Justin and taking a rookie quarterback, I'm not too worried about either of those who say, well, I take that back. There is one scenario I'm worried about, and that's that the Bears trade the pick and fields and then fall in love with J.J. McCarthy, that's a nightmare scenario to where I would probably just turn in my fan card right away. I will I will jump in the lake on purpose that time. I yeah. don't think that's going to happen, but I no, fully yeah. understand your concern. Oh, yeah. I want, yeah. I want to say I don't think that's happening, but it's always a non-zero percent chance when it comes but it's to- on the table. Yeah. I, was, I was talking to somebody this past week about the 2018 season that we had went 12 and four we won the division mm-hmm. and I was at the game the the game against the Packers 
that we clinched the division, I was there. One of my favorite games and, of all time. Yeah. yeah. And and I remember the clock hitting zero, the players just erupting off the the sideline as if we did win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And after the Packers left the field, every single person on the Bears playing staff, coaching staff, everybody was still on the field, just jumping around with the fans. The music was blaring and it was just such a happy time. And I remember thinking to myself that finally, like finally it's over and we're here. We've arrived. Yeah. And that was the last time the Bears beat the Packers. Yep. And that was in 2018. Yeah. I'm just I, yeah. I, I'm I'm tired. I'm sick. I remember I remember staying home from school for an entire week after the Bears lost to the Packers in the NFC Championship game. That was a dark week. I re- that was a bad I week. remember in 2013 mm-hmm. when we were 8-8 eight and eight and lost the chance to get into the playoffs at the hands Final of the Packers. Final play of the game. I remember the mercy of making the 2020 playoffs and getting bounced by the Saints in the Nickelodeon game. I remember all of the pain I remember going to Seattle at one point and losing like 40 to nothing. And we punted like 27 oh, times. Yeah. Jimmy Clausen uh, started right. that game. Oh, that's a bad. I just, and I remember just all of these times. And they, I just, I'm out of hurt yeah. and I'm out of faith. Me too. And it would take, it would take the Chicago Bears to win an NFC championship game for me to believe again. I yeah, think that's fair. because I've, I've come out of disbelief so many different times just mm-hmm. to get slapped in the face with the most hurtful piece of equipment ever. And I just, I can't do this anymore. I will continue to watch bears games. I will continue to root for the bears and I will just assume that the worst is going to happen. <laughs> Literally echoed my thoughts, echoed all my thoughts. And I feel like that I feel like in Bears lore, people sometimes gloss over that division clinching game against the Packers because that was remember the season started. That was the best game of our lifetime. Yes. Like we we went to a Super Bowl. We lost the Super Bowl, but we went to a Super Bowl. We won an NFC championship game. That game against the Seahawks was incredible in the playoffs. We've seen some great games. That was the best moment of our Bears career. We oh, got yeah. all remember that week one blown 20 point lead and it looked like here we go again. And then we actually got revenge on them. I mean, I will never forget watching that division clinching game and Leonard Floyd sacked Rogers at the end, which more or less ended the whole thing. Or Eddie when, Jackson's uh, Eddie interception, Jackson, yeah. which of mm-hmm. course he gets hurt. Of course he gets hurt on that. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Like the one time we beat Aaron Rodgers, he still somehow gets the last curse laugh on us cuz boy, if if I could just go back in time and yell at Eddie Jackson as soon as he got that pick, just go down. Just go down. And then everybody I, was screaming it in the stadium too. Like go down, go down, go down. And yeah. then after he intercepted it, it took us a very long time in the stadium to realize he was hurt. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. because we were all like we were hugging because the game was over, basically. And man, I just I can't do it anymore, boys. Like I'll I know. I'll continue to no, talk about it. I'll continue to 
but I can't, I just can't put my heart into it anymore. I know. And, and I'm, is it because like, is it because I'm turning 30 this year? Is it because <laughs> so half of the, is it because half of these guys are younger than me making a bajillion dollars? I don't know, but I just, I can't do it like I used to anymore. I can't. I, the fact, oh, yeah. how, how does a team win like three games against their rival over 10 years? And that that's not even exaggeration. Yeah. Actually, wait a minute. Yeah. No. That's well, here's the two. thing. Here's two. the thing, Alex. I did the math. I did the math. And since uh, Jordan, how old are you? Thirty-one. Thirty-one. Okay. So Alex and I both turning thirty this year. Mm-hmm. I did the math, Alex. So we would be around the same time. Mm-hmm. It would take until we're either forty-seven or forty-eight years old if we beat the Packers both times every year and didn't match up against the playoffs. When we were 47 or 48, then we would be back to 500 against the Packers in our lifetime. Unreal. We have, and, and, and that just sounds just asinine, but it's that's that's where we yeah. are. That's how much we have sucked. We haven't oh, swept yeah. the Packers since 2007. Correct. Oh yeah, and well, and honestly, like part of the issue is this podcast. Well, not this podcast. This this conversation is we spend so much time. Comparing the Bears to the Packers, the Packers aren't even thinking about the Bears because no, I know Packers vision know. is is on the Super Bowl. So honestly, ba- we would be we should be comparing ourselves to the Browns. We should be right. comparing ourselves to the right. Lions, except for this. And year. it's just so sad that like the Bears are always like, oh well, we can't do anything about the Packers because they have Brett Favre, or we can't do anything about the Packers because they have Aaron Rodgers. Here's the thing: they're still playing the same game. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can do something about it. You're just so stupid and in your own right. way. And times. and they're so just wrapped around the Packers that like the whole league has passed them by. The whole league has passed this ownership group by. I think they've lucked into a GM hire. I'll be more confident in saying that after this offseason. Mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah, it, they've always had the wrong goalposts in terms of what they're aiming for. And I just don't yeah. see it changing with his own. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And that's the either. thing like up, up North in green Bay, they're trying to win super bowls here in Chicago. We're just trying to win two games a year. Right. Just exactly. Trying to beat them twice. Raise your bar. And you can't, you can't even do that. You, you consistently fail at what you're trying to do. I mean, yeah, over the past, we have one win against the Packers at home going back to 2011. And that was that division clinching game in 2018. And no. overall, like going back to 2000, I think the Bears have beaten the Packers at Soldier Field like four times going back to 2000. Yeah. And yeah. 2005. Maybe, maybe we truly do need a new stadium. Maybe we do. <laughs> let, let me think back. So, 05, we beat them. First time we've beaten Brett Favre at Soldier Field since like his rookie year. Beat them in 07. That was a blowout. Mm-hmm. Um, beat them in 2011. Right, 2008. That overtime game that was actually a great win. Do you remember that? That was fun. Yeah. That was a good dub. Mm-hmm. Good dub. 2010, the regular season. Right. Yeah. And then 2018. So five five times in 20 years. Yeah. 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 It's tough, and it's even worse up north. So I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's where I'm at. I I just I'm out of care. I'm out of care. I'm out of mad. I'm out of everything. Oh yeah. I just. It's hopeless. Numb. It feels right hopeless. now. It feels hopeless. Yeah, yeah. That's all the Bears Nuggets I got. That's yeah, all I can handle, yeah, quite yeah. honestly. Same, same. Speaking of hopeless, the Chicago Bulls are playing tonight, and my TV's off. Nope. 
Yeah, no, no. I, I I watched the end no of that Pistons Bulls game. No, no. Yeah, they were. No yeah, they looked the like they were going to cruise in the first quarter. They were going to cruise in the first quarter, then they lose by ten. Just the Bulls look like the team that would not that is nine and forty nine on yeah. the season. Yeah, completely. But I did want to bring us twice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they have seven wins, and two of them are the Bulls. Yeah. Just, just terrible. But we want to be more. Uh, I did yeah. bring up. I brought up basketball because I want to talk to you guys about the hottest topic in basketball right now, and that is court storming. So earlier this year, we saw the Iowa women's team lost on the road, and they got court stormed. And then the Duke basketball team this past weekend got court stormed, and the dude that they're talking about, I can't remember his name to save my life, he tripped a guy and then acted like his leg fell off, and now everybody wants court storming to be banned. Uh, Jay Billis wants 10,000 students to be arrested at the same time. So I'm going to go ahead with my take and then Jordan, I'll pass it off to you and we'll just go around in a circle here. I think this is dumb. We've been doing court storming for a bajillion years and just now we care about it. Like just now there's always been precautions to try to get the security out to take care of the players while it's happening. You can't stop stork corming, stork corming, court stork storming. You can't <laughs> stop it from happening. You shouldn't stop it from happening because I think that's what makes college sports unique. We see it in football. We see it in basketball. Like this is cool. This is stuff. And these students are classmates with these guys on the. Like, of course, they're excited with them. It's different for professionals, right? I'm not going. Right. I'm not working in my office with LeBron. Like they're these. They're actually our personal relationships between the students and the at and the student athletes. So I I don't think we should stop court storming, stork corming. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's a flavor of the month in terms of what sports shows want to talk about. But and at the end of the day, people are gonna forget about it. And if we're being honest, as much as I love Caitlin Clark, it's gonna be so much fun to watch her in the WNBA. She flopped on that court storming. She flopped. <laughs> so, Both of them flopped. Yeah. yeah. I mean so it's it's much ado about nothing. Like you said, it's the best part of college, whether it's college football, whether it's college basketball. The best part is the courts homing, the fans rushing the field after the games, and no reason for it to stop. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing Alex. really to add to that. All right. right. I honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, save your breath for this because I know you have stuff to talk about here. Let's, if I, if I could play music on this podcast, I would play Bittersweet Symphony. On, on Sunday, afternoon the Chicago Blackhawks retired the number seven for Chris Chelios and it was the return of Patrick Kane I tried to get a ticket to this game they were stupidly expensive so I same. opted to not same <laughs> literal same man I, yeah the the Chelios ceremony was incredible he came in on a Cadillac like there was a Cadillac on the ice and uh his speech was fantastic I love that right away he told the guy with the clock to just turn it off because he didn't care uh, and he just went down his list thanking all these people. Uh, I We can play a game of name everybody that was at this thing, <laughs> but holy crap, was it a star-studded event. He acknowledged Patrick Kane as the greatest American player. Patrick Kane got plenty of, plenty of opportunities to say thank you and hello to the Chicago faithful. <laughs> and it was a very cool night that ended with Patrick Kane. Not only, well, I should start with, it, it ended with, Alex Dabrinkit tying the game and then Patrick Kane winning the game in overtime. And I, 
I couldn't even be upset. It was the only time I was like, yeah, go Red Wings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the script coming with and Butler itself, and once you saw Kane on that breakaway, you're like, you know what? This is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh-oh, Alex doesn't agree. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. Okay, I, I've got some hot takes here. I've posted on Twitter. <laughs> I, I don't it. know if you guys have seen it, but... There you go. I am not cheering for the Detroit Red Wings to beat the Blackhawks. <laughs> I don't give a fuck how many yeah. wins we have, yeah. how many losses we have. You do not go to the United Center and cheer for the goddamn Red Wings. I don't care I, if it's well, Patrick Kane. I don't care if it's the ghost of Stan Mikita. You do not cheer for the fucking Red Wings. What? So what? Is is Anthony Rizzo going to become a Cardinal then hit a go-ahead home run at Wrigley and going to be like, yeah, good job, Anthony. Fuck that shit. Have some <laughs> pride. I will say that Anthony Rizzo did not win three Stanley Cups. He won elusive World Series in 108 years. I, I, I do think that if Anthony Rizzo was the first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals and he hit a go-ahead home run, people would, people would cheer. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I know. I look, no. I understand what you're saying. I, I hear you. I do. But if I was in the United Center on Sunday night and Patrick Kane did that to me in my face, all I would do is I would stand up and say thank and thank you for everything. I would that turn you've around done. and leave. I would leave in disgust. I, I, I was do it, man. pissed. I was I couldn't pissed. do it, man. That's right. I was so I, I would, pissed. Yeah. This look, is- Alex, this is this is why I love you and I love you being on this <laughs> podcast because you are a Chicago meatball at heart. I put away I for for my guys for Patrick Kane for Chris Bryant Rizzo I'd put on that list I like these are guys that I set aside my meatballness because I want them to be happy and I also would say Pat this might be Patrick Kane doing us another favor like he did last year and getting us another in the loss column when it matters for the lottery let me make something real clear I, the love, I love he it got already. from the fans was great. That that three minute skate around, he deserved it. I have I, I I'm glad he's playing well. I'm glad he's playing well. I am cheering for him to do well. Cheering for him. And if, if you know I what will... if Kane was on like the Rangers or some other team and he did that in overtime, I will cheer. Not okay. the Red Wings. Okay, no, are you, are you it, gonna, would you stand up for Brian Urlacher if he was on the Packers and he had a game-winning sack? Okay, that's no a fucking way. Story. That's a different story. That's a different story. No, no. yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Honestly, I'm not like I'm not like a religious like Blackhawks fan as I am like say a Bears or Cubs fan. So that's why um, it was pretty cool. But you hit the nail on the head. Like the meatball me is coming out and say. All I got is taking back a pick six at Soldier Field to win the game for the Packers. I'm like, oh, it's F that guy. Were people there? Yeah. Were a lot of Different. people there in 2006, 2004, when the Red Wings took over the United Center and beat our brains in? That's, that's where you. That's the team no. you want to cheer. Okay. No. All right. I concede. You <laughs> know what I liked better? You know what I liked better than the Kane goal though was Bedard putting him into the. I was going to say that's why we got that Alex awesome. Golden right there. <laughs> I liked it. I liked well, you, it. You, you know what? And you know what? I also want to make this very clear. I'm not mad at Kane. I'm not <laughs> mad at him for scoring okay, that goal. Right. I'm mad that we lost. I'm mad oh, that okay, we lost and we had to force yeah. ourselves to feel fuzzy because we lost to our <laughs> oldest and bitter rivals. 
Okay, this is where we clear. are. It is a city. <laughs> we don't win. We just cheer losing. I'm sick of this. To be clear, you don't hate Patrick Kane. No, God, no. No, 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 no. No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, this is where we are. We're cheering on losing. That's where we are. This is where we are. Doesn't that make you angry? Doesn't it make you mad that we're in a position to cheer on our biggest rivals because of nostalgia? Because we're living in the past? Yes, it keeps me awake every single night, Alex. It better. I'm going to come and check on you. Yeah. I, I does. Yeah. Text me. Text me at one thirty. Say you up. I promise you I am thinking about all of this. You better I be. will say like there was like a pit in my stomach last summer, right? Watching Cardinals game and Contreras would be up in big moments at Wrigley Field. I'm like, uh-huh. son of a bitch. I all right. Well, when he, we, when he came up and he got the standing ovation and then he hit a double and he was like yelling at us. I'm over you. Gone. Hey, I love Which it, Eddie. Eddie I love it. Not do. Yeah. yeah. No, he didn't. And he he saluted he the crowd in a classy all, manner. And all he's been saying since being on the Blackhawks is, "I wanted to be a Blackhawk for forever. Like oh, I yes. wanted to make a deal with them, and they didn't want to make a deal with me." So honestly, that kind of had me rooting for Patrick Kane to score a goal right there because stick it to him. Like I wanted to be here for super cheap. And we could have had Connor Bedard and Patrick Kane on the same team right now, but you guys didn't want that. And now you're in the basement again looking for another lottery pick. That's why I cheered. You know what, though? There was logic. They're trying to turn the page. Kane was getting back surgery this offseason. What was it going to really do for them? May Okay, so okay, maybe it will help Connor Bedard develop a little better, but you're not, you're, you aren't what, you're marginally better? I mean, this was a teardown year no matter what. Yeah. yeah. So, honestly, so we're trying to lose. <laughs> yes? Well, we're not, we're not built to win. So we're trying to lose. We're trying to lose, <laughs> but there is. I am not celebrating losing to Detroit. That Look, was I one game wanna, I yeah, want no. to win. I get it. And like Chelios night, like I wanted it. I wanted a dub too. I did a parlay. I did the over. A Kane's a Kane goal, a Debrinket goal, a Bedard goal, and a Hawks win, and I lost. They, yeah, I mean, Red Wings fans were throwing octopus on our home ice. Yeah, it's our ice. No, yeah. I if I were there, I would have gotten into a fight. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. I would have gotten into a fight. Yeah, it sucks that tank wins are becoming actual wins uh, for so Chicago sports fans. But I will I, say, look, I've. Sorry, Jordan, I, I didn't say, mean yeah, that. Yeah, I, oh, no, you're good. I will say to your point, Alex, I mean, even when the Bears were taking, I told myself each Sunday going into Packers game, I'm like, you know what? It's not that big of a deal if the Bears yeah. lose. And all of a sudden, kickoff would happen. <laughs> the meat part of me would come out, and I was like, fuck the Packers. I'm so Look, glad you I, brought yeah, that up. I'm, yeah, I'm, you know what, Alex, you're a thousand percent right here. That, like, I have no defense on any on being excited for Patrick Kane to score a goal and cheering him on, right. I have no defense. You're absolutely right. I'm in the wrong here because you're right. If it were the Bears versus the Packers, I would have said, "I don't care who you are. I want the Bears to beat the Packers. Cubs Cardinals. I don't care who you are. I would want the Cubs to beat the Cardinals. I need to be. I need to be a better fan. I need to be better. And no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You don't have to apologize for anything. <laughs> you didn't do. Anything I know you're wrong. not mad. You're just disappointed. Well, it, it just I just can't fathom 
being happy after losing to the Red Wings. I, I, just, oh, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. I was happy for Patrick, but I wasn't happy. You know, I what? was embarrassed. I, I love, love watching Kane still do his thing, but not against us. I Listen, there is maybe one athlete in the history of sports that I'd be okay him owning us, and that'd be Michael Jordan. That's it. That, that, I, yeah, that's, that's it. Fair. I don't care. Yeah. Listen, I don't care if Javi Baez went to the Cardinals or to the Brewers. No matter who it is, or if Jonathan Taze even came back and went to the Blues, I'm not cheering him to score against us. There, there is no way. Yeah, no, that's fair. Fair, fair. And, and I'll Alex, say this again too. You're better than you're better than you're better. You're the best Chicago fan that I know. Alex. No, oh, no, yeah. no. This, this is not healthy. This is not healthy. You, you. This is not. You should. <laughs> oh, I know that. You should no, be happy. It's healthy. You're not. It's healthy letting it out. Oh yeah, I mean this is a great pot. This is a great therapy podcast. The best this was yeah. very therapeutic. I am yeah. so glad <laughs> I got this out. All right, and now well, we're gonna do it again. Yeah. Now, yeah. now we're gonna do it again. The season. Yeah, uh, let's do it again. <laughs> let's let's do it again next week. Yeah. Yeah. If we ever. All right, Alex, you're naming the podcast, but really quick, Jordan, what's your headline next week? You know, double back. I think Fear would just straight it to the Falcons. I like that, Alex. Oh, what should we name it? What should we name it? It's got to be something Cody Bellinger themed, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Like- I mean, you're naming it, so whatever you would like to do. Oh, you let's think, see. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my prediction for next week. Go while for you're it. Thinking. Go for it. Go for it. My prediction for next week, besides Alex being diagnosed with an aneurysm, <laughs> I'm gonna go. Did <laughs> <laughs> you like that? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Matt Shaw gets some time at third base and looks real good. Oh, there we go. Alex's aneurysm. There's your show. Oh, yes. Boom. Hell yes. I love that. You got yep. a prediction for next week? Yes. I think for next week, I'm going to say something positive about the Hawks because I want to bring some good mojo here. First career hat trick for Connor Bedard. You know what? I'll, I'll like match. It. I'll match. If it happens, right. that's what we leave the show with next week, no matter yeah, what. I have. All right. All right. Player prop. All right. Okay. All right. Everybody, thank you for listening. Go read our blogs. Damn it. Yes. Read our blogs. Follow us on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. We appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>